50 years since Roe vs. Wade, the pro-life movement has done some amazing things. And this was all because of the dedicated work of many, many men and women, from those who worked in the ultrasound clinics, from those who worked directly with mothers and their babies in pregnancy resource centers, to Christ followers who prayed for those mothers and their babies, and to brave policymakers who were willing to pass pro-life laws to protect life. Um, and that has all been just in 50 years since Roe versus Wade. Of course, last year we saw the amazing overturn of that wrongful, wrongful decision from the Supreme Court. Um, but there's there's been a lot that's gone on since then. Greetings. My name is Autumn Leva. I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategy for Family Policy Alliance. I have two awesome guests with me today to talk about the work of the pro-life movement from two very different perspectives. So first I have with me Derek a. Stryker from Montana Family Foundation, who is one of our amazing 40 state allies of the Family Policy Council Network, advocating for life, family, religious freedom on the ground in 40 states across the country, hopefully one of yours. He is the Chief Legal Counsel and the Government Affairs Director for Montana Family Foundation, and he's been doing that work of, of helping pass strong pro-life laws in Montana. We also have with us Bria, Bria Rodewig, who has an amazing story of working with a pregnancy resource center herself. So I think today we'll start first with you, Bria, and I'm hoping that you will share a little bit about your story and how you first came to interact with a pregnancy resource center directly serving women on the ground in your state. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Autumn. I originally started with the clinic here in town when I was 18 years old. I was a new mom, I was a new wife, and I didn't know anything about being a parent as everybody goes into parenthood thinking they know. And so options at the time helped me to navigate, you know, parenting and questions I had and they were so super supportive of me in that. Uh, fast forward about 10 years, I found myself in a really difficult divorce and I had always been pro-life. I had always been wanting to support women and, and their decision to have children and how that best could be taken you know, forward for them to come into life uh, giving situations. And so I started to drift away from that. Uh, side of my life. I had disconnected from all of my Christian friends and family. I decided I no longer wanted to be the good girl. And then I found myself in a crisis pregnancy situation myself. So that took a turn because I now was on the other side of the fence where I was contemplating an abortion. And that was when Options Clinic here in town became the most pivotal turning point for me to choose life. Thank you for sharing that. Bria, can you can you walk us through just a little bit of what the Options Clinic did for you and how they helped you make that decision at a time when you already had four kids at home, obviously it was a, a difficult situation. What did they do to come alongside you? I would say the, the first thing was reaching out to them. They had known me previously as the married me and the pro-life me and choosing, you know, Christ first and choosing life first. So when I came to them on the other side of the fence saying, I don't know what to do. I'm alone in this. I'm so afraid. I know that this is wrong, but I see no other options. I was met with, okay, well, why don't you come in? We'll uh, talk about 
you know, what you're feeling. We'll do an ultrasound. We can kind of set you up to show you, you know, where you're at in your pregnancy. And from there, you can get in touch with your doctor. It was just met with such an open, like there was absolutely no judgment. There wasn't feeling like I was inferior. They didn't, uh, you know, sit there and litigate me for my choices. It was just that they were understanding. They talked to me in a way that was human. And they walked with me through that pregnancy all the way to the very end of him being born. Um, in fact, he was their poster child for one of their Christmas cards the following year. So it was just, uh, they had so much love and support for me as a woman. I love hearing that, Bria. That's so powerful for a couple reasons. First, I love hearing that they walked with you and that they gave you options and helped helped come alongside you and that you expressed feeling no judgment because I know that's something we hear from moms who are facing crisis pregnancies of their own. They're worried about judgment, what others will think, what others will say, and your experience at this Pregnancy Resource Center, and I know so many others, was, was very different from that. Um, and secondly, I think it just, your story really il illustrates that contrast between what the pro-life movement does and has done for the last 50 years versus what the abortion side is doing. The pro-life movement is the, are the ones providing the diapers and walking alongside women and helping them gain access to resources and throwing baby showers and doing life with, with these women. Uh, whereas the abortion side, they just want to give you the pill or, or give you the quick abortion, send you out of the clinic and there's no there's no follow-up. There's no walking through life with you. There's no checkup when you are feeling despair because of losing that child. It's just such a, a deep contrast, and it sounds like that's what you experienced as well. Yeah, it was a very different contrast. It, it felt like, you know, I knew that it was wrong. Like, I obviously, I've had babies. I knew how they developed. I knew what was, you know, happening at every single week, and I sat with the decision for about six weeks because I just, I had no idea how it was going to work. I was uh, so afraid to tell my family and my friends. I had just rededicated my life to the Lord. In fact, I just signed up to get baptized the week I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, I can't get baptized and be pregnant at the same time. That can't be biblical. And uh, I remember my pastor at the time just saying like, this is exactly why you need Jesus. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. But I remember just sitting there and thinking, if I call the other center and I talk to them about an abortion, I know I'll be talked into an abortion. I knew that if I talked to Options Clinic, that I would be given an entire full spectrum of what I was to expect. I would be given the truth of what happens if I had an abortion, which I did. I would be given the full view of what have I chose motherhood if I decided to walk it alone. Um, they just, they were so very like thorough with how they presented everything to me. And never once did I feel like they had an agenda or were pushing one way or the other. They just were very open to enforcing the fact that like I was not going to be alone. That's really beautiful. With, with the abortion side, it really is always a one-way street. Uh, Bria, how old is that little one from your crisis pregnancy now? Uh, he will be three in September, and he is a firecracker. I forgot how hard toddlers are. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Well, Bria, the one, one last question I want to ask you before I, I pitch a few to Derek is, 
how can you get involved with a local pregnancy resource center for those who want to be involved in the pro-life movement in that way? And it's got a little bit of, of a change in your life that connects you more closely with that pregnancy resource center that you went to. Yeah, so I was uh, offered a position with Options Clinic to be a community outreach as well as direct support to the girls and a clinic assistant. So as far as my duties go, I'm going to be helping other women to walk through what I went through, which I think is such a full circle thing that God does. You know, like you think that you've screwed up so bad that he can't redeem it. And he's like, watch what I'm going to do. So I would say that the biggest thing that you can do, I know that they are always, you know, looking for donations for clothing, for diapers, uh, for people who are willing to come in and help mentor the girls and, and walk through that with them. Obviously, prayer is a huge part of that, too. I don't think that we could do any of what we do unless God was in the middle of it. So I would say outside of being hands-on and getting in there and the trenches with the girls, I would say prayer, definitely. We are so glad you're enjoying Conversations with Craig. Your experience doesn't have to stop here. To stay connected with other listeners, hear about current events affecting your family, and to share pictures and videos with your friends, follow Family Policy Alliance on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out the links in the show notes, and we'll see you online. That's great. Prayer, donations. We've, we've got a local clinic where I'm based, and we've donated a lot of clothes and diapers that way as well. So thank you, Bria. That is, that is very helpful and powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, we'll come back to you in just a minute. Derek, I want to talk to you about the, a, a different aspect of the pro-life movement, one that um, some of our viewers may know, others may not, but getting a pro-life law passed, a life that, or a law that protects the life of those babies in the womb, or protects the health and safety of the mothers involved, those laws can sometimes be years in the making. And sometimes as those involved in policy work, you never actually get to meet the faces of those that you've helped, the babies you've saved or the mothers who have chosen life or who are grateful, grateful to have chosen life. Um, so it's a little bit different aspect of pro-life work, equally important. Derek, why don't you tell us about some of the laws that you've worked on in Montana and how they've made a difference, and hopefully that will inspire other states around the country. Yeah, no, thanks, Autumn. Thanks for having me on, and and uh, I just I love Bria. I love her story, and I'm so glad that she's able to share it. Um, yeah, Montana is a, a unique creature in this in post row world. This past legislative session, we actually had our Montana legislature pass nine substantial pro life pieces of legislation. Uh, we have a super majority of Republicans in both the House and the Senate in Montana. We have a very strong Christian uh, governor here in Montana, Governor Gianforte. Um, frankly, the, the policy side of things, getting substantial pro-life legislation through that process, I'm not going to say it's easy, but uh, getting nine bills like that passed in one session um, a heavy lift in other states, not as heavy a lift in Montana. Great pieces of legislation. Uh, we had a, a state uh, Hyde Amendment uh, uh, type legislation here in Montana uh, that would prevent Montana taxpayer dollars from funding abortions through our Medicaid program. 
Uh, we had other uh, pieces of legislation to provide more information to women experience, experiencing a crisis pregnancy. We had a lot of great bills here in Montana. The problem in Montana is not the legislature. The problem in Montana is, is our judicial uh, uh, precedent here in Montana. We have our own state version of Roe versus Wade, and that's a 1999 case called Armstrong versus State. Um, so I, mean, I, can, I can go into more detail there uh, about the Armstrong case, but that's really the roadblock that stands in our way, uh, Autumn, in Montana. Uh, four of those bills that I mentioned have already been challenged and enjoined and are on appeal at the Montana Supreme Court right now as we speak. Well, for our viewers, I just want to underscore what you just said. Nine pieces of pro-life legislation in one session. That really, that really is incredible. So major kudos to you at Montana Family Foundation and your leadership. Obviously, the great support of pro-life lawmakers and the governor there, that's huge. Not many states have the opportunity to do that. But when you do that as a state that can, it really sets the precedent and encourages other states to do the same because we know what happens in one state isn't a vacuum. It will trickle over and affect other states. It will affect the federal level up in Washington, D.C. So, Derek, please keep doing what you're doing because you're helping the rest of us who are in less pro-life states and you're helping encourage what happens at the, at the federal level as well. Um, I also want to, to uh, mention what you were explaining about your state version of Roe versus Wade. I know there's other states that have something similar. Minnesota is another example. And so for our viewers, what that means is if your state has a version of Roe versus Wade at the state level through the state courts, it really doesn't matter that Roe versus Wade was overturned from the Supreme Court at the national level because the state still has strong laws protecting a so-called right to abortion, which is why uh, Derek and his pro-life allies in the state are, are facing some, some real roadblocks there. Um, but Derek, I did want to follow up and ask you, what is, uh, what, what is one of the, the most, the, the pro-life law that you're most proud of and what motivates you to keep going even when you face those roadblocks in policy work? You know, sometimes it's, it's um, not always the bills that we pass, but the bills that we, that we kill during the process. We had a bill this session uh, brought by a, a Democrat lawmaker from the Bozeman area that sought to codify abortion as a religious right, R-I-T-E. Uh, and, and we found that very offensive and, and we went in in opposition to this bill and it was, it was killed uh, in executive action shortly thereafter. Um, and our, our president, Jeff Lasloff, he was uh, even asked after that bill hearing what problem he had with Satan. Um, and and it, it, it's startling to say the least, some of these things that happened during the legislative session, but we were really proud to, to kill bills like that that would codify abortion and, and the murder of innocent lives as somehow a religious right. Um, really proud to, to, to shut that down. We're also proud of the work of the Montana legislature. Uh, we had a bill passed, House Bill 721 here in Montana. This is one of the bills that has been challenged and is on, uh, on appeal to the Montana Supreme Court. That, that bill uh, was passed to prevent um, what we call a, a D&E procedure, but they called it a dismemberment abortion. So we were using 
accurate terminology to describe what, what happens in, in this most common abortion procedure. And we're, we're confronting people with the truth of what it really is. And, and even though the law is now enjoined, I, I'm really glad that the Montana legislature had the intestinal fortitude to, to get that across the finish line and, and for our governor to sign it, even knowing that a legal challenge was on the way. That's great. Absolutely. It takes bold leaders to get this kind of work done. Um, Derek, I have one last question for the for you and then one, one big question for both of you to close out the show today. Um, Derek, you know, I, I think in this post-Roe versus Wade nation that we're living in, there's been a lot of challenges to protecting life since the overturn of Roe. Um, I know that one in particular that Family Policy Alliance is concerned about, other state family policy councils are, is attacks on those pregnancy resource centers that Rhea went to, trying to shut those down uh, because the abortion movement, movement does not like them. Um, so we're worried about that. We're worried about the proliferation of radical abortion policy from blue states. We're worried about the spread of chemical abortion pills across state lines and internationally. Um, because those are very, very dangerous, four times riskier for women than uh, the regular surgical abortion. Can you share with us, Derek, for you in Montana, what is sort of your, your next big goal in protecting life and protecting women in your state? Yeah, that's a great question, Autumn. I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at it as the, the finish line for, for this is to overturn our state version of, of Roe versus Wade, which is the Armstrong case. And uh, part of that is, is changing the, the culture and the composition of our judiciary, um, you know, recognizing that our state version of Roe versus Wade is actually based on the same rationale from Roe versus Wade that was found to be completely inaccurate and, um, you know, adding into the Constitution something that, that isn't actually there, a so-called right to, to an abortion. So that's, that's the end goal here is to overturn that legal precedent and, and then, you know, take the, the shackles off the legislature, so to speak, uh, to allow them to enact uh, substantial pro-life legislation that's going to withstand legal challenge. Um, and we're also doing uh, a lot of great work to, to work with pregnancy resource centers. And I think Bria's story really underscores and, and, and highlights how important these pregnancy resource centers are in a uh, post-Roe world. Um, you know, that people, women are being lied to about their options. Uh, as Bria explained, if you go to a pregnancy resource center like Options Clinic here in Helena, Montana, you're going to get the full spectrum of, of what abortion means and what's going to happen, uh, what, it, what it's going to be like to, to go it alone, or what your options might be for adoption. You're, you're going to get all the information necessary to make an informed decision. And, and we, we support that at the Montana Family Foundation. Um, we don't see as many attacks here in Montana. I think Montana's a, a good Second Amendment state as well. Um, but that said, that those attacks and those dangers to, to pregnancy resource centers are, are very real and, and we don't take them lightly. Well said, Derek. Thank you. And uh, our prayers are with you and we're standing with you. We, if the national version of Roe versus Wade can be overturned, then certainly the state version can as well. So we will join you in fighting for that and praying for that. 
Um, last, last question for both of you, and Bria, we'll, we'll turn to you first. If there is a woman who is next door to both a Planned Parenthood and a Pregnancy Resource Center like the one that you visited, she can go in either door and you have just a few seconds to share something with her to try to convince her to go into the Pregnancy Resource Center instead of the one-way street abortion clinic. I'm sure many of our viewers have friends, um, family members who've been in this situation. What would you tell her in the few seconds that you have uh, to talk to her? I would tell her that it's going to be worth it. Choosing life is going to be worth it. And that she doesn't need to prove anything to anyone but herself and that she can do this. I think I needed somebody to tell me that I was still loved, I was still lovable, and that it was going to be the best decision to choose life. Amen. Derek, what about you? I, it's it's hard, to, hard to argue with what Bria just said. I, I was going to say choose life. Life is precious. You are loved, you are valued, and you're not alone. Um, and and then just just pray, pray. There is power in prayer, um, and and that's that's exactly what I would say. That's beautiful. Thank you both so much for sharing that. Thank you for for being with us with us today. I hope our viewers will take that to heart because I am I am personally so proud of what the pro life movement has done for the last fifty years and how they really have shown over and over that we are the ones who want to walk with women and their children through life. Um, we get called all sorts of things, all sorts of names, but it's not true. We are the ones who are choosing life and choosing love, I think as you, you said, Derek. So thank you so much. We hope this was a blessing to you all. Derek, Bria, thank you. Thank you. Brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, Families thrive and life is cherished.